you think about the college business ideas that you hear, like when people are in the dorm room kicking around ideas, like, why don't we just like create, like me and my buddy had this idea of like, man, everybody needs somebody to come mow their lawn or like clean their kitchen. Like, why don't we just put up a website that people can connect? These are like very easy business ideas to discover or to, to consider and very hard ones to execute. And that's why when they get it right, like Uber, we describe them as magic. Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Mitko Karshavsky, and welcome to another episode of That Remote Life Podcast, where we hear from remote work experts, digital nomads, and location-independent entrepreneurs so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by return guest Dan Andrews, the co-host of the Tropical MBA Podcast and the co-founder of Dynamite Circle and Dynamite Jobs. Dan stopped by to talk about their remote job board, Dynamite Jobs, and how their offering has changed since COVID, why jobs are evolving and becoming more fractional, and why becoming an entrepreneur within a company could be the best decision you've ever made. But two things before we jump into the interview. Number one, make sure that you subscribe to my newsletter, Remote Insider, where every Monday I share the most important developments in the areas of remote work, online business tech, and the digital nomad lifestyle. It has been called mandatory reading by other subscribers, and if you enjoy this podcast, I guarantee you will also love being a Remote Insider subscriber. You can subscribe to that at thatremotelife.com forward slash remote insider. And number two, I would personally like to invite you to join our TRL listener Slack channel, which you can find at thatremotelife.com forward slash Slack. In the Slack channel, you'll be able to have direct contact with me, meet other listeners of this show passionate about the future of work, the digital nomad lifestyle, and entrepreneurship. And we we will be putting together events and Q&As with some of our biggest podcast guests to dive in even deeper with them. Access to the Slack channel is completely free. And again, that link is thatremotelife.com forward slash Slack. Finally, if you haven't left a review of the show already, please consider leaving one wherever you listen to podcasts. I would greatly appreciate that. You can do that easily just by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash TRL and leave your review right there. It only takes a minute and I would greatly appreciate it. But all right, you guys, without further ado, let's dive into this awesome conversation with Dan Andrews. All right, Dan. Welcome back to the Yo. show. It's been a uh, it's been a long time. Yeah, not too too long, too long. No, long, too long. Yeah, the last time that we talked was in 2020. It was the summer, and I went to listen to the podcast before we, re- we hit record. And I usually don't listen to the old episodes because it's embarrassing. But I said, no, Dan wasn't on that long ago. I'll go listen to it, and it was embarrassing, which I knew <laughs> it meant that it's been it's been. I want to be like so you. I want to be like your cousin Sal. I want to come by regularly to tell the stories that happen. You be, you be you be uh, Bill Simmons. I'll be cousin Sal. Please, please, I would I would love uh, I would love for that to happen. So uh, since the last time we talked, I wanted to have you on because you guys had the Dynamite Jobs brand beforehand but now you've really reinvested and focused on dynamite jobs as a job board and as a a business you know i always feel like it was kind of a 
you know, not something you guys were focusing on that much, but now it's been, it's become kind of like your baby. So why did you decide to refocus on Dynamite Jobs and really go heavy on that when, you know, there's so many other things that you can do with your platform? Yeah, I mean, we put up Dynamite Jobs as a service four years ago. And the, the fundamental idea is like the members of our community, the Dynamite Circle, create really unique remote jobs, like cool ones. You know, and all that kind of changed in COVID when all of a sudden it's like Spotify has remote jobs and like these kind of legacy tech companies. But especially before COVID, it was like, man, you get to work on a 10 person team with a cool product and they don't really care where you live and they pay well. These are the kinds of jobs our community offers. So we put it up on this job board as a service. What really started popping when we focused on it post COVID was our recruiting service. So people would come to our job board, founders like yourself, and they'd say, Oh man, is it a COO or is it a chief people officer or should I hire a GM or do I just need a COO? Like there's a lot of these questions. So we would get on the phone with people, do some consulting and say, you know what, could you just help me write my job ad? And then one thing led to another and we were like, maybe we need to partner with like a, a high level recruiter that knows how to do this stuff. And so we ended up finding Greg Valentine, who's our director of recruiting. One thing led to another, and here we are at remotefirstrecruiting.com. So the job board's doing well. I will say, man, job boards are incredibly competitive, and nobody has any loyalty. It's like, you can love Dynamite yeah. Jobs, but like if the next day, you're going to use Laravel Jobs if you're hiring a Laravel guy or whatever it is. Like, But with the recruiting company, it's much more collaborative. It's much more service-oriented, and so it's been fun, and it's been doing really well. Yeah, I mean, it's like a marketplace. You know, marketplaces are like notoriously some of the hardest businesses to to run. I remember that was the first business I started as a college dropout of 21 years old. I was like, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to start a marketplace. And it was like, I got murdered. And, and I'm like a kind of a mid-level entrepreneur. I would not recommend it to a mid-level entrepreneur. I would say expert level only. Yeah. They're super hard. Luckily enough, we have like the cash flow and the team and the passion to like keep working on it. We've covered our costs. We're cash flow positive. So we're going to keep working on that business. But the idea I had two years ago that this is this breakout eight-figure opportunity, that doesn't exist for me anymore. Like That was very naive. Like you said, I, I kind of think sometimes businesses that are easy to imagine are the hardest to run. So like, you know... You can like you can think about the college business ideas that you hear, like when people are in the dorm room kicking around ideas, like, why don't we just like create like me and my buddy had this idea of like, man, everybody needs somebody to come mow their lawn or like clean their kitchen. Like, why don't we just put up a website that people can connect? These are like very easy business ideas to discover or to to consider and very hard ones to execute. And that's why when they get it right, like Uber, we describe them as magic because it's like they should exist, like, you know. And so anyway, um, the concept of a job board seems really simple to spin up. And the reality is it's been really, really hard. Yeah. I want to, I know that we have a short episode today. We're going to have a short interview because we went into the weeds before we hit record. For those we, we talked for 44 minutes. Shorter than normal. It's, yeah. <laughs> We will and, I, reveal. and we did not realize that uh, <laughs> what would happen. <laughs> um, but what I wanted to ask you about was, uh, and I feel like you are a very good person to to talk about this because you have a very good vantage point on this topic. Are you familiar with a paper called "The Nature of the Firm" by Ronald Coase? No. 
Okay, so I'm bringing this up because I know that you love to nerd out on on theories and concepts, and I thought that you'd be a really good person to talk about this. So Ronald Coase, very quickly, he is a Nobel Prize winning economist, and the thing that he talks about is why does a firm, why does a company grow to the size that it is? And the idea is that the a company wants to stay as small as possible, but grows because it's essentially more expensive uh, for it to work with outside contractors and help and partnerships than it is to bring somebody in-house. And that's the idea as to why companies have grown because it's more difficult to work with outside contractors and, and partnerships and so on and so forth. My question to you is, having run a job board, having been in the digital nomad world and kind of seeing the whole, you know, uh, business world from from your point of view, my theory is that we're going to see companies reduce in size over the next 10, 20 years as they start to decide, I'm just going to hire a freelancer to do this. I don't need to bring somebody in-house. I'm going to like use automations for a majority of it. And instead of growing a 30-person company, I'm going to have a 10-person company and bring in outside work when I need it because it's just so much easier to work in partnerships. What do you think about that? First off, I love your theory. I think it's super fascinating. I would love to explore that paper in depth. So send it to me afterwards. I I have groped towards similar ideas. We, we, we would call it things like the fractionalization of the micro multinational or just like kind of have these buzz terms trying to figure out. But we do believe as a company, there's this compressive effect. And that you're really only hiring for a lot of people in our community are hiring for hyper flexible central team members that are, you know, flexible knowledge workers. And then you've got this fractionalization of professional services that are happening for these firms. So I'll have a fractional uh, CFO. I can have one marketer on the team who works with five outside, not just agencies anymore, but we're talking about fractionalized services. I'm assuming when this paper was written, you're talking about like actual outsourced firms. Like I'm going to put my goods in a, in a, in a trailer and send them across the country to have value added services provided. And so we're going to get quote, the paper was vertically integrated in 1930 something. I'm going to get you the exact time now. Um, but yeah, and I mean like the whole thing is 1937. So the entire thing was that if you wanted to work with a contractor, a lot of times they had to come to wherever your, uh, HQ was maybe like their family had to move. It was just so expensive. And how do you plug them in? And now that's so easy, right? I mean, it's like a hundred X easier now to work with a, you know, a contractor or some sort of fractional operator. 100%. Yeah. And there's all different kinds of effects here. You not only have like digital agencies that started towards this problem, but now you have fractionalized employees themselves who are, you know, it's really interesting to say you're a podcast producer, you know, you could go work at Gimlet or you could produce tropical MBA that remote life and three other podcasts. And you make just as much as you'd make at Gimlet, but now you're fractionalizing your, your effort and labor to five different companies. And here's the punchline is it's way more efficient and cost effective for those companies. And um, that's what's really, really interesting about it. It's not like some compromise because you can't afford somebody. It's actually more efficient. 
I think that's fascinating. Yeah. You know, one of the ideas I was really bullish about before Dynamite Jobs, because the thing is, is our community is loath to hire people. Like, it's the last thing we want to do. It's like, is there any fractionalized? Is there any productized yeah. service? Is there any agency? Like, we'll do anything before we'll hire somebody. And what I right, really right, wanted right. to do was create a directory. Again, a simple business idea that's probably super hard to do. A, a directory of every single productized service that exists. So you can just go shopping for services like Fiverr instead of hiring somebody. I use Fiverr all the time. I love it. I wish instead of $5, it was $5,000. Um, I think that's going to exist here pretty shortly. Yeah. And it, because there, you are so right, there are so many. I actually just found one today that I was like, and I sent it to a friend of mine that I thought needed it. And I was like, have you seen this? It's like exactly what you need. And it's, you know, you don't have to hire 30 people to do this. It's like someone else has hired the 30 people and you just have to worry about one person as opposed to 30. That's right. Um, but I'm curious, the second part of my question there is a lot of people listening to this are in their 20s and 30s, you know, maybe uh, they're, they're kind of trying to figure out how to navigate this world. And they have quite a bit of working time left. So if we think that this is kind of the future of work, becoming a more, even employees having to be way more entrepreneurial, how would you navigate that? If you were, you know, 25 starting your career right now and you believe that that might be the future of work, how would you navigate that? Well, I think probably the guidebook for this is Lynchpin by Seth Godin. The idea that you're going to be able to credential your way into a sustained, long-earning career is just less and less likely as a knowledge worker, right? The more obvious it seems like accounting, the faster it's going to get fractionalized. So if you don't want to go towards a traditional industry, I think the the way to go is to you know, get yourself into uh, one of these amazing technology companies that is leading these, the remote charge and um, test your metal. I mean, it, it depends on your skill set, right? I guess like speaking from my experience, it's getting close to the decision makers, working your way into uh, building their trust and getting your hands on more knobs in those companies. And the cool thing about like that way to a career, it's a little bit little bit less legible than becoming an accountant or a lawyer, sure. Um, but you learn so much so fast, your career progresses incredibly. And then the cachet that you have, what you can check, uh, cash it in for an even better job or to start your own company with the relationships you build up is, is easier than ever. So the answer is, I think, to be more flexible, to be more entrepreneurial, to figure out what that means for you, and to sort of trust the process that that's going to result in the a high earning career. I think there's never been a better payoff for that entrepreneurial skill set, uh, especially within the firm, right? With uh, these flexible, fast moving technology companies, that entrepreneurial skill set is, is more rewarded than ever. Yeah. And it's tough because a lot of, like, I see a lot of people who are getting into the job market who have no entrepreneurial muscle. And that doesn't mean like something that's like you were born with, but something that's been exercised. I see very few people that have exercised that muscle. And unfortunately, I think it's going to be one that's going to be way more important in the future. And that concerns me, right? Like I see friends of mine who since college have been in nine to five corporate jobs. And it there's a part of me that is a little bit concerned about what happens if this theory that I have turns out to be correct. And in 20 years, they need to be way more entrepreneurial. Um, so. Yeah, it's 
It's an interesting thing. I'm very curious how things turn out. This is what I stay up at night thinking about. So, <laughs> fellow, uh, yeah, it's like the, fellow the, business the, the future of work and business. It's yeah, exactly. Everyone's listening to this, going, "These guys are such nerds." One of the <laughs> things I've noticed, you know, I, I guess I can just speak from experience, having been around the block now. I'm 40. Is a lot of these ideas that were ridiculed by the establishment um, turned out to be mainstream and like generally accepted ideas. And, and just working remotely is, is one example of that, right? It was considered like you couldn't have a serious company if your team was remote. Like that was the genuine idea. And so I think it's fascinating to see these companies that are unevenly distributed in the future. And the idea sometimes looks a little absurd, um, but that's where the opportunities are. And I think that's part of being entrepreneurial is being willing to hitch your wagon to something that looks interesting, that you see authentic value in it and really exploring it. And the worst thing that can happen is that you learned a lot, you made a mistake, and then you, you, you parlay it into the next thing. I think that that's really underrated. You know, People really desire legibility in career paths. And even entrepreneurial people sometimes do, but the idea really is is to believe that you can create that legibility at the key moment, which is, all right, lost my job, lost my business, whatever it is, like now I'm going to repackage this and sell it to the next gig or the next set of clients and move on. Yeah. You know, in saying that sometimes the things that were ridiculed have become the things that are mainstream, something that I realized the other day, another theory that I had was, I think people who are into lifestyle businesses early on, 2010, 12, 14, you know, the, the people who got into that post four hour work week business model are the ones that are the best set up to now help these larger remote companies because the entire idea of a lifestyle business is process, right? And hand it off and sit back and have it be asynchronous. Like I learned a lot about how to do those things through reading books like Work the System, which were you know, this is how you build, you know, processes and procedures for uh, businesses. And I think that that's, yeah. And I, I was like, huh, I think those people are very good at, you know, what's going to be needed now in the, in the marketplace. It's um, funny. I just had a big so, yeah. meeting this but, morning with my management team with our scorecards and our input metrics and our output metrics. And it seems tedious. Like when you get work the system, like, oh man, am I going to have to like build all these systems? Yeah. But actually it frees you up. It gives you time to play. It gives the business some oxygen. I think that's really important. I, I won't pull it up because it would pain me to read it, but I remember I wrote this email when I quit my job and I, I kind of wrote my Jerry Maguire manifesto. This isn't, I don't think I ever talked about this on my podcast, but I, I said, you know, I believe that there's a business out there where we can have a great deal of location and time freedom and focus on things that truly interest us. And that value would be communicated to our customers. I wrote my freaking Jerry Maguire piece, you know? I don't know if you're too young to have watched the movie, <laughs> but um, uh, the, the idea is, is that like there's a better way to grow a business. And it's not this way where we're bending over backwards for clients and we're, we're being treated poorly and all this stuff. And he basically responded to me and he said, you know, maybe you're smart enough to figure it out, but I've never seen it happen. And that just doesn't seem the way that like serious businesses get built. And it's that line right there. Serious businesses get built, you know, and uh, definitely I felt motivated by some of that doubt um, and inspired by people like Seth Godin who believed that there was a different way to grow a business. And so if you're, if you know what you're looking for, there's plenty of people uh, that you can find to guide you. 
Perfect. Well, uh, Dan, thank you so much for coming on uh, this uh, shorter than normal podcast. But it was it was a fun way for me to flex a muscle I've never flexed before, which is how do I run a fifteen minute podcast? <laughs> but thank you so much, man. And let people uh, let people know if they're interested in in any of the things that you mentioned. Obviously, the Tropical NBA podcast, yeah, that's one of good. the OG podcasts in in the space uh dynamitejobs.com and then uh anything else that you want to yeah remote first recruiting.com it's our new website go over there and give us a critique let us know how we can make it better it's brand new um and it's built by a really cool company a productized service called knapsack get um knapsack agency or knapsackcreative.com um i was really inspired by their process and i think it's a cool way to check out their website and see how you can spin up a a, a services business pretty quick have a high price point have a very clear idea of what you do and don't do. And what they do is something we like to talk about in Tropical MBA a lot. We might be too clever here, but we say SWAS. So software with a service. So all they do is sell beautiful Squarespace websites. So it's like you use Squarespace and you're like, this is a great piece of kit. I want a Squarespace website, but I don't know how to use it. And I just mentioned it a little uh, piece of advice at the end, like one of the best ways to start a profitable services business is just to charge for using popular software for your clients. So that Salesforce, Squarespace, pick your poison, pick your favorite piece of software. It'll be relatively easy to find ideal clients because you know where they're going to be hanging out. You'll know how to target them that you at least know one of the keywords, which is Squarespace or Salesforce, and then just execute the best practices on their behalf. So that's a little business tip at the end for someone looking to start a remote services business. I love that. I'm a big fan of the SWAS model. But uh, Dan, thank you so much. Always, always a pleasure, man.